Welcome to the eighth episode of Pitch Invasion. It is a bit of a substitution at the moment. My name is Mzamo Moloy, sitting in Loazi's global seat. Uh, Loazi, you pay me one back. But uh, I've got the boys here. Hola. Loazi is always not here when Man United lose. I don't know if it's a conspiracy. <laughs> I don't know if it's a surprise, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But what would, you know who we do have here that needs to account? Oh, for, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A massive result I, on the weekend. I, I, I heard in episode seven someone saying the next time he sees you is either you're his friend or his enemy, and predicting win streaks of Speak notes. no further. Can, can he introduce himself? Um, hello, people out there. Listen, uh, no apologies. Sorry, can you tell us your name, please? Can you my start name, there? So my can... name is Emeka Enyadike. And, and who do you support? I never walk alone. And, <laughs> you know, um, he can say whatever he wants to say. Bottom line, at the end of the day, look, we, we got to... We, I mean, we scored, we scored the, the, the greatest goal ever. Donna Storage. That's not the Absolutely. greatest goal ever. You made it seem like Liverpool are going to run away. That is what South Africans call, like, you know, a finder, finder. Yeah, that that's, what it is. <laughs> that's what it is. Look, we... We we had a very rough week, yeah. uh, but you know, yeah, you know, one thing that you don't want to give me credit for is that I did put a caveat, and that caveat was Hazard. Yeah, and I said, if, I said yeah. if I said if Hazard, you did, shows up like he's been doing, then you know anything can happen. And Eden Hazard over two games, um, I think that's who we should be talking about. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I'm tempted to start there. I'm tempted to start there, but I'm, gonna, but I'm actually going to bring it back. Bring it back, South Africa. Over the weekend, Benny McCarthy, obviously, arguably South Africa's best export ever, South Africa's best player ever to, to put on a Bafana Bafana jersey, wins his first piece of silverware as a coach. This is what, his second season, right? Yeah. Yes, I mean, look, uh, this, this is Benny McCarthy's achievement, uh, it says a lot about what we should be doing. Yeah, you know, we, I, I did mention a few weeks ago that look, if we really want to make progress in this country, we need to look at how we can bring back some of these players who have played in Europe, mm. who have coaching um, qualifications, because a lot of the coaches that I, and I'm no disrespect to the coaches who have always been here. The point is that there's so much that needs to change about how the tactical orientation of the teams are, and you know, Benny McCarthy. One thing that that I was really impressed with was. Going into the game, he talks about the fact that they lost on penalties and they were going to be trying to win the game within, within the time. But if he did go to penalties, they, they will make a plan. And you could see when it was time for the penalties that they chose the players right. They also had a goalkeeper who, you know, had not only studied the, the opponents, but just was ready for everything that they threw, they threw at him. So, Yo, but I thought like he put the he put the guy, whoever was the guy in the, in the sticks uh, the year before, in uh, in under the spotlight. There, yes, <laughs> yes, he did, he did, and you know, quite quite frankly, this this was a, uh, a performance that was really really commendable. And you know, when you think about it, Benny McCarthy had issues coming into the game with his wife being ill and yeah, all that. Yeah. So. Um, this was a, huge, a good uh, recovery there. Yeah, this this win um, it's not just a win for Benny Magadi, it's a win for every young coach out there who's aspiring to go there because mm. the biggest credit for me I think goes to John Committees who had the um, in Nigeria will say he had the liver. Some people will say something <laughs> else. You know, to say, you know, I'm going to appoint Benny McCarthy as coach. Yeah. Um, without so much of so much of, a, of an experience, you, we, you need to give the young guys a chance. Yeah. You know, Bradley Carnell, Sean. You know, any of those guys, we, we need to start giving them opportunities yeah. to, to coach at the highest level. You know, this is a huge win for, for, for Benny. For Benny, yes. And for seven coaches. Now, before we started the podcast, well, you were talking about how as much as the result goes to Cape Town, there's still that thing of, 
game should have been over early. You know, to be honest with you, I was um, I was surprised um, by uh, Cape Town City, to be honest, because, mm. you know, when you look at uh, going into the fixture, you know, Supersport, um, I'm sorry, Kizzer Chiefs fans, but they're the, they're the new cup kings yeah. of, of yeah. recent times, you know, and, you know, they have that swagger. They've been there before. They know what to do. So the pressure, the stage, is, you know, the lights aren't too bright for mm. them. And they've got players who've won trophies yeah. before. And, you know, um, there, there was also a lot for them. I mean, um, Gaetan Tamba was also looking for his uh, maiden trophy. So there was also a lot for them uh, to play for. But I was really impressed with two, um, Cape Town City in that game. They actually went for it. I think by halftime, they should have been easily 3-0 up. Absolutely. And, you know, they, they kept the momentum. But, you know, they huffed and puffed and it didn't go in. But what I liked with Benny was um, Amika touched on. He started on the front foot. And I think that was his problem in the last cup final, was that, you know, he was scared. set up unsure. Last year he was scared, sure but you, himself, you could see. You know, very conservative. This time around, they actually went for it. And yeah. I must say, um, touching on, again, on what Amika said, this is massive for South African soccer. Um, and, you know, we, we need more local coaches and we also need fresh faces. I mean, it it's always seems like a bit of musical chairs in the South African soccer scene. You know Ernst Middendorp, there's a job waiting for him somewhere you know, along the line. You know, it, used, so, it used to be Gordon as well. Yeah, Gordon is there somewhere. I'm sure when Baxter's done with Bafana, there's, a, there's another team in the yeah, pipeline. You know, those sort of coaches have been around and yeah. it's about time we start seeing fresh faces yeah. given the responsibility. And in Benny's case, you know, he's got the qualifications. I, I could be wrong, but I think him and Debuchomuloi, Debuchomuloi has also got a UEFA yeah, license. Good. Right? Yeah. So they're also very, very highly um, qualified mm -hmm. coaches. So it's good to see guys that were former players yeah. plowing back into the country. I mean, it, we always want our players to go play overseas right. and go, you know, improve. I know, I know, I know, I know Benny very, I know Benny very well. I mean, from, during his playing days when I was a kickoff, he used to come on holiday and he would come to the office. One thing I never saw with Benny, I never saw him as the guy who ended up as a coach because Benny loved the, the, mm. the, the good life. You know, he likes to party, he likes to have fun. Uh, but one thing, um, I think um, Rob Moore, who, who was his agent and, and man, you know, um, advisor, did, did for him was, um, Rob did say at the time Benny's career was coming to an end that, look, I, I have, Benny has helped me make a lot of money and all that. I'm going to invest back in Benny. So the first thing he did was force Benny to go do his coaching, his badges in Scotland. Yeah, sure. and, and Rob said, I'll pay. This is my way of paying back. And, and you know, uh, we, we just have to look at, this is a testimony and this is a, this is a case study of mm. how we can harness some of the best uh, talent that we've got. Yes. And for me, touching on that, you know, we always uh, worry about our footballers, about life after once they've done um, playing. And I think for me, you know, um, not everybody's going to have a stellar career where, you know, they play consistently for, you know, 5, 10, 15 years, you know, 20 years, yeah. you know, so <laughs> not everybody's going to get to that level. So I think it's very important that, you know, some of the guys, some players who might not be like standout players, you know, end up being very good coaches. Yeah. Austin Wenger wasn't, you know, one of the best players. Neither Mourinho hardly. Yeah. Oh, Mourinho didn't even um, get into the professional ranks. Club, yeah, so club, club, so, a player for for Mainz. You know, they weren't um, really like standout yeah. players. So I think this is also an eye-opening um, scenario for guys that okay, maybe 
you know, we probably don't even know who they are. Right. They probably come in as substitutes. Also for them to say, look, my career doesn't look like it's going to play out for, you know, 10 plus years. But the desire I've been for the in game, the game. I have a desire for the game. I'm learning from my coach. I play. This could be an opportunity for them to also say, look, let me also create a, a, a life for myself after I'm done. And I think Benny has uh, set the tone for these guys. Hmm. You know, great cup final, win on penalties. But at the same time, I guess I'm also looking at what Supersport have done for themselves in terms of these guys are continually there, even to, to hop on what you were talking about, about them being the, the cup kings. I mean, I was listening to the commentator, something was Mark, Mark Leeson, he said, Supersport United, this was their 10th cup final in six seasons. Going into this MTN8 final, they had won five out of nine going to the MTN8. So that's five out of ten now. So that's one in every two. One finals. every two. Super sport are going to win. So that's why I was saying that you know, in in recent times, I mean, you can't, you can't. They're the numbers. The facts are right there. You yeah. can't deny it. They are the recent cup kings, and you know, it also speaks um, um, to super sports organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's one, let me not say if there's one, but one of a uh, few clubs in our country that. You know, in terms of an organization, you know, how they uh, set up the team, the club is run well, you yeah. never hear problems, you never hear, you know, um, players uh, going AWOL, yeah. as you hear with other clubs. They always seem to keep their business in order. It's super sport. And you can see they've reaped the rewards from mm-hmm. that. So that's something maybe other clubs could also look at and say, hey, look, you know, if you keep your... You keep your unit in order, you keep the club running properly and smoothly, you keep the players happy, you sign the right players, yeah. you sign the right coaches, you know, you're bound to be successful. And it just seems like, especially there, it looks like the front office always has a plan. Even when they lose a person like Baxter, they've yes. always got a plan. They lose someone like Tinkler, they've always got a plan. And it just seems like there's a conveyor belt of good decisions. One thing that I do, uh, I must say, I appreciate about Supersport is that what they do really well, this is what AC Milan used to do back in the day. Yeah. In fact, they still kind of do it, is when they sign veteran players, yeah. they sign the veteran player that is needed in a specific position. So, I mean, you looked at Yeye, for example, right. you thought, okay, maybe his career is done, maybe, you know, the guy's maybe still the have it. But they sign him in yeah. and they put him in the midfield and he's there to teach, he's there to guide, he's there to impart his knowledge. The Supersport have been doing that for years yeah. now when they sign veteran players. And I know a lot of people uh, criticize them, you know, saying that they're old age home, they just signed all these old players. But like you said, they have a plan. They yeah. know exactly what they're doing. So that's the one thing that I've seen Supersport really do well over the years is they sign veteran players in specific positions where those players aren't necessarily there to take the spotlight, but they're there to help. Maybe it's on and off the field, but you can see by those stats, I mean, 10 cup finals and five of them won, you know, the fruits of their labor right there. Well, but I mean, look, yeah, yeah, he, he, he had a quiet game, you know, mm. much less than his usual standards. Because I think for Super Sport United, he's been really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like you said earlier, I, I thought this game... Uh, Cape Town City went about it with a lot more, more, more. Um, how would I put it? Uh, Verve than you would, yeah. you would imagine. Yeah. So they, they gave it. They gave it so much, and um, in the end, I think they, they deserve to win. Now here's a enjoy the game, enjoy the spectacle. I guess for me, one of the things we we're talking about earlier, guys, is as much as we enjoyed the match, what we saw around it. I mean, why are these games going to Durban? And you look at the, 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 the results in terms of how many people were actually at the stadium. 
Why are these matches going to? Why are these games going to Durban? You know, I, I look. Um, there are reasons that obviously we won't know. Yeah. Um, PSL and SAFA have their reasons why they move these games. You know, I, I feel that when you have um, two teams that are on opposite ends of the country, yeah. right, Cape Town, and it doesn't get any more opposite <laughs> than that, right? Put it somewhere where you know. Fans don't get to see much football. Yeah. You know, Pulukwane, Amika did say Pulukwane, or you can put at them Bombela uh, if necessary, mm-hmm. right? Because then I think you can galvanize the entire town, yeah. you know, that don't see many cup finals, that don't see many matches, yeah. right? And uh, I suppose now in, uh, in Pulukwane and Popo, you know, they've got um, two teams now in the, prim- mm-hmm. in yeah. the Premiership. So yeah. I guess they get to see it. So maybe Bombela would have been a. Uh, uh, a better choice, you know, because they, they don't get to see much football. Right. And another cup final there would have been exciting. And I think you can bring the whole town. And, you know, this was a big game. It I was. mean, you had um, two former players, one former Bafana player, Super Sport, you know, going for another cup. Cape Town City looking to etch their name into the history books. And there was a lot going for this game. And yeah. the turnout, I must say, was quite disappointing, you know, for me to see because this was actually a big game. I know we always lick our lips whenever it's a Chiefs Pirates or Sundowns Pirates Sundowns Chiefs yeah. final, but this game actually lived up to the billing. And it did. It, it was just sad that you know we didn't get the numbers, you know. And you know, we did, we did, we did get quite a, quite a good crowd with uh, the cup final last year, even though it was free states. Yes. Um, yes. The, the the one thing that I I would say is uh, with these cup finals and also with even with Bafana games is. Is how the provinces and the cities get involved in the in the in the in the pitch for bringing the games to to, to their cities. And so, what you find is that um, KZN and to a large extent uh, the Itekwini um, municipality are very proactive. They always want to bring those things there because they, they for them it adds up to their whole um, economic strategy because the more events they bring in there the more they they, they get their their you know resorts and facilities filled up people come in there coming to Durban not just for the game yeah I bet you there are probably some people that <laughs> traveled for that game and ended up not going to the game they went to it was early which is good <laughs> they went to have fun at the sea I would have loved to to go to the game yeah. uh for more than just the game because you know that uh, I mean I'm a I'm a I grew up by the sea and you know Living in Johannesburg sometimes can be very claustrophobic. Yeah. So if if I went to Durban, I could get lost just hanging out by the sea and forget to go to the game. So um, th- there needs to be even more work because if if you're wanting to bring the game there, but they have to do a lot more marketing um, to get people to go and watch the game. Because what I've seen few times that I've been to games that involved either especially Chiefs playing against someone else, yeah. is that the stadium is always full because because they've got Chiefs has got, has got a, a very uh, great marketing machine and that's why they can play anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the interesting thing was I remember we were speaking earlier. There was that final in two thousand and nine Orlando Stadium. It was Golden Arrows against Ajax Cape Town. Yes. yes, and that game was full at Orlando Stadium. Love, lots of goals, sir. Lots of goals. Lots Six of nil, goals. I remember, and it was yeah. a little blackout there. I think uh, just still load shading or something's going on there. But when you think about, they can do this. They can move games to places where you know what? It's a smaller stadium. We can call people teams from different right? cities as well. You could different I mean, like, provinces bringing in children from 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 that neighborhood coming in and watch. I, I think two, two thousand and nine not not, even, not your best example because anything could have happened. That that was the year before the World Cup, yeah. where where even yeah. if you if you recall, they had the Blue Bulls playing in 
No, I'm saying that, that, you know, all of that because the stadiums were not available and they had to move those finals to Orlando Stadium and a few other... But the impetus is there to move these games yeah. to, to places yeah. there where it can work. better rivalry this is the absa premiership liverpool against chelsea now emeka this is this 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 is a shout out to you what's happening what happened i, I think the fact that the, you know oh, I, by the way one one uh, on the weekend liverpool lost two one in the Carabao yes Cup. I, I did say something even i was it wasn't even about about liverpool yeah. I, I said something earlier that when you play in midweek and play in the Carabao Cup mm. or whatever cup competition and you make wholesale changes, what happens is you better win because if you don't, then you get a lot, of, a lot of pressure because, I mean, you're playing the same team and Liverpool, both Liverpool and Chelsea made a lot of changes. But when you look at you look at the strength of the Chelsea team, it doesn't matter who you, who you put on the bench, you've got far more, more quality. And one thing that has worked for them this season is the fact that Sarri has come in with a very attacking mi- mindset and that's you know it's pretty much the players are governor these are players who know how to win it's like united as well if you, if you bring a coach who's who's not Mourinho, who's got a very forward forward thinking and forward playing yeah. mindset you he will governize the, the players so credit to chelsea i think they 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 ended they came back remember they came from behind to win that to win that game and then also in the in the in the in the league game over the weekend uh, most people still felt Liverpool had the edge, but I, I thought that Chelsea really, really played um, a very, very smart game in that, mm. on that day because they knew that possession-wise they were, they were as much, but they did as much as they can defensively to try and contain everyone. Salah got, I mean, they were lucky. Salah got past the keeper, ball cleared off the line. Firmino headed the ball off the line, and then you had, you know, uh, Shaqiri coming in and missing a goal and all that. But the two chances that Chelsea had in that game mm. was... Just, I mean, kind of epitomized how they played on that day. Two great passes, one from David Lewis all the way to, to um, I think it was William on the right. And then the second one was, was I think it was Kovacic again who passed. No, no, it was Conte. It was a quick free kick and yeah. he passed to Hazard and had, on both occasions. Um, Alisson. It was amazing. No, it was amazing. I mean, people can, you can, someone was saying to me about the weekend that, oh, you know, he couldn't save the ball from, from Hazard. I'm, I'm saying, you can't blame the keeper. Yeah. You've got to give credit to, to Hazard because yeah, Hazard, Hazard. Hazard took it. You know, I saw that, um, I also saw that um, the goal on Instagram. Yeah. Right? yeah. I was searching through my Instagram. You know when they have the fans and they yeah, you know, yeah, filming. Yeah. Even on a fan, uh, fan's um, camera, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that goal still looks like a bullet. Point. That was, you know, I mean, so he had no chance. He, to he took it, you know, well ahead of the keeper's... It was a snapshot as well. Yeah, it so wasn't yeah. like, you know, he had lo- loaded it no. back. And, uh, no, no, it didn't. Back, it was kind of like... Uh, it was a snapshot and just... Even Sturridge's goal, goal. St- you would think that, yeah. okay, where he, he was, is he going to cross and cross to someone or, or whatever? He was standing. He took yeah. that sh- he literally yeah. took that shot standing. So sometimes I think that we, we kind of want to blame keepers. I think sometimes, you know, you've got to give credit to the player who... Yeah. who because that's that's why that's what I, I mean, Amika. It's it's like the lottery. If you don't play, you won't win. So if yeah. he doesn't have the audacity to go for it from there, you know, because he believes that he can score from there, Sturridge, and he did. I must give uh, Sari credit. You know, I was very critical about him at the start of the season. I must be honest, and um, I might have to eat my words soon, <laughs> because from what I've seen, um, Sari has introduced at Chelsea. 
And I think this is the problem that is happening at Manchester United. Sarri looks like he's, you know, he looks like an old man that's just arms folded and just says, guys, just play. I'll correct where need be, but just play. I've even seen images and um, a video footage of Chelsea training and Sarri in the background. And he's just there, hands on his sides, just watching, observing. He doesn't seem like, you know how, what Mourinho looks like at United, always hands on, you, this, that, and getting into players' faces. And it seems to be working at Chelsea because last season that was the issue apparently with uh, Conte was yeah. that, you know, they felt that uh, Conte was uh, too hands on and, From you know, he, he was directing yeah. everything. And Sarri seems like he's coming there and he says, look guys, I just want to win. Play how you play or how you want to play yeah. and I'll direct things. And you know, in the game, uh, the Carabao Cup game, um, it was interesting for me to see um, even Hazard on the bench, I must be honest yeah. to you, because I would have thought that, you know, they would have saved him for the league rather. But it just shows that the guy wants to win it. Right. You know, it's a trophy right. and he wants to win it. It is. I mean, if you, you win know, it, it's, it's... It's a big trophy, a big trophy. you know. And um, going to the league game, to be honest with you, I was impressed with Liverpool. I must be honest to you. I thought they controlled the game well. Jordan Henderson surprised me. He also had quite a decent game. I mean, yeah. in the midfield there with him and Jorginho, they was a real good battle with him and Jorginho there and I really thought Liverpool were going to edge it but um, I, I think uh, one thing that Sarri did do well though um, towards uh, before the goal came I think he sort of changed the shape of the team and the first goal of the... before uh, Chelsea's goal he changed the shape of the team and you could see that something happened where they were starting to play with more speed they were you know getting up front uh, more and you know, they're doing all of this, by the way, guys, with no striker getting shots on target. Yeah. So the moment, you know, Chelsea start getting a striker or one of their strikers firing, they could be deadly. Yeah, and as for Liverpool... What is strange is, is you know, the, the, most of their goals have come either from, from Hazard or from Alonso. Exactly. So, you know, they, they, yeah. they're unbeaten. Uh, both teams, but one of them, in fact, even Liverpool, Firmino hasn't really fired this season, yes. you know, so I must say it is quite daunting when you think about it that both teams are on top of the log and um, their strikers haven't even, you know, woken up uh, from the sleep yet. Daniel Sturridge has scored more goals this season than he did the entire last season. Daniel Sturridge has got more goals than Marat and Giroud combined. I think. <laughs> now, Daniel Sturridge, is a, there's a bit of a renaissance going on there, but looking at Mo Salah, it's not cracking this season. It's not happening. And you look at what's happening with 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 Eden Hazard in terms of he's actually this is his his season's picked up. It's almost like he had the World Cup and he's back. Like I'm ready. To, I'm ready to show why a team like uh, Real Madrid would be interested in me. Mo Salah has struggled to. I think with Salah, I'm not too worried. If he wasn't getting into scoring positions, I'll, I'll be worried. But you know, he went around the keeper, and yeah. you know, just if he did like 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 uh, Hazard. And immediately shot as, as soon as he went, went past the keeper. The ball went a bit further from him um, than he probably would have yeah. wanted. But, you know, he before he was taken out, he controlled everything that Liverpool created. He had a chance where he, had to pick, he needed to pick out either Mane or so from the left. Or the Firmino, he didn't, he didn't quite quite click. And then he had all that snapshot which he took. He, Salah is getting into position. If I look at last season, at this point last season, I think he scored the same number of goals and was missing a lot of chances. Yeah. The good thing about this team is that they haven't really hit. Uh, if, 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 if they were driving a car, I'll probably say they are still in second gear because you'll find that, you know, somehow Klopp has been getting them to be a lot more restrained. Yeah. And, um, you know, the good thing is it has given them a chance to also give 
Shakiri an opportunity to, to, to play. So maybe what will work? Oh, the is, chance though, eh? Yeah, I mean, look. But you know what I feel though with Liverpool, looking at um, uh, Salah's season so far, I think he's playing with house money, right? Because nobody expected him to score 32 40, goals. 40 right? goals. Last okay, time. I know in the, I'm saying in the lead now, yeah, right? Yeah. Nobody expected the, uh, the amount of goals that he scored. Your turn, yeah. So coming into this season, obviously the focus is on him. But guys, there's also Sadio Mane. Right? There's also right. Roberto Firmino. Now they've added um, Shakiri. So And they've got Sturridge in the back. And they've got Sturridge. Now it seems like he's also, you know, putting his hand up. So I think for him, I wouldn't be too worried if I was him because now that means that, you know, Liverpool are joint top and I'm not and he's not playing well. So he should just say, you know what, I'm not playing well. That's fine. I don't need to score another 30 goals a season. Sure. I'm not Harry Kane. Harry Kane needs to score, score 30 goals a season. Aguero needs to score that, right? Because if those teams' are success is dependent on that. Whereas in Liverpool's case, if if Salah scores 20 goals this season, that's okay. Nah, that's Mane is going to come in with another 15 somewhere, Firmino with another 15, 20. So they're not dependent on Salah. So I wouldn't be too worried. I know everybody's calling it a slump, but you know he's had chances to also yeah. score. So I really wouldn't be too worried. If you're top of the league and your best player isn't playing well, why would you even worry? Sure. And... Chelsea are in striking distance. Uh, Sorry, wouldn't have said it going into the season in striking distance. And that's mainly because of, excuse me, of Eden Hazard. Eden Hazard, is he wasted in the Premier League? You know, to be completely honest with you, um, Eden Hazard, I think uh, he's having that sort of season that Ronaldo had ah. before he went to okay. Real Madrid. Yes. The, the free season kick season. That, uh, yeah, that yeah. season, right? <laughs> Um, the season before Van Nistra also had before yes. he went to Madrid. I, I think it's just Eden Hazard is growing in stature. Yeah. And what I think is also itching Eden Hazard. He's sitting there and he's looking at these FIFA World Player of the Year um, um, lists and, uh, and, he's in the conversation. and whatnot. And he's sitting there and he's thinking, hang on a sec, you know, I play my butt off all week. I create chances for my team. I score for my team. And, you know, all these guys are getting these accolades. And I think he's finally breaking off these shackles hmm. to say, you know what, let me just let me just play me and let me not um, worry so much about, you know, if um, I know it seems like in his case in Chelsea, there's almost a dependence on him. Hmm. I think now he's turning that around to say, you know what, let me just play for me. Let me just play for me and everything will go well. And I think that's what he did well at the World Cup because he played for himself and everybody else complimented him at the World Cup. And now it seems like the moment he plays for himself at Chelsea, everything else falls in line. Because if you look at it this way, if Eden Hazard right, becomes a complimentary player at Chelsea, Chelsea don't do well. Right? <laughs> but if he plays for himself and takes the mantle... Chelsea do well. So I think it's about time that, you know, Eden Hazard plays this way. I've been waiting for Hazard. You see it when Ronaldo, uh, well, when he was at Madrid. Yeah. You see it with Messi. You see it with Neymar. Those guys take the game by the scruff of his neck and they play for themselves. And I think that little bit of a selfish streak mm. is what separates... That's why Messi scores 40, right. 50 and Ronaldo... Because he has to take it. There is that selfishness that you need in you to yeah. get to that level. And... It's about time it's coming out now. And boy, I'll tell you what, if you're a Chelsea fan or if you're Roman Abramovich, it pleases you because you know, listen, if he's going to go, he's given us everything we could have asked for. Yeah. There's no way less than 200 million is coming into well, that. I think, I think one thing also that, that people overlook is, is the effect of Giroud on, on Eden Hazard because the way Hazard plays, 
he almost needs to have a foil, have someone there in the box that that he can do a little give and go, somebody who can hold up mm. and let him run into into the space. So what you find with him He's is that the goals that he scored, yes, the goals that he scored, he scored uh, this season. He is scoring from every corner. He comes in from the left. He comes in from the right. He comes in from the middle. Once he's around the box, he almost... Because what I love about Hazard is that Hazard is difficult to dispossess. Mm. If he has the ball on him, he has he has the ability to dribble in, in small spaces. And he also has the ability to conjure up a shot out of nowhere. So sometimes he actually needs someone to distract the the defenders. Mm. Um, maybe now that he's scoring goals, people, people will probably say... Because Liverpool did one thing. They tried to contain him as much as they could. And throughout the game, the two times that he went free, they were, you know, they were free balls into space that he had to run onto. Otherwise, you know, like him trying to play in tiny spaces, they closed him down really, really, really well. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he's one of two people uh, with a hat-trick this season. I think it's just yes. him and Aguero. Yes, yeah, just, just the two of them. Just yeah. the two of them. And, you know, Hazard looks like he's, he's going to score. Um, I, a lot of goals. This I season. see twenty at least, maybe more. I, I think. I, I think. I think he'll probably score more. Now, Chelsea. Chelsea doing good. Liverpool in the mix. Manchester City. Them and Manchester City leading the way. Uh, City with the win over the weekend as well. Manchester United. Was his favorite top, topic. Uh, not yet yes. to defend himself. As usual. <laughs> as usual in United. Well, like you made a. <laughs> Well, I had a conspiracy theory that uh, with Zidane being in London, that uh, Manchester United were going to. Uh, I think United. I don't remember, but I, I did see something about them even issuing a statement or trying to distance themselves from, from yeah. Zidane. Exactly, but, and there were reports that you know yeah. United had made contact yeah. Zidane and Mourinho or something. Like that. Look, let's be let's cut to the chase, okay? Jose Mourinho is not going to last the season at Manchester mm. United. Okay, it's not possible. Yeah. It's just not possible. I don't think a simple dinner in flowers is going to end the Pogba situation. <laughs> I don't think United are just but, uh, suddenly... Are the reconciliation talks afoot? I don't think that's going to happen, right? Because you know Mina Raiola is watching every single yeah. move that is happening yeah. between those two. And in fact, it's to his best interest that those two don't get along, mm. right? Because he knows that he can there's another 20-odd million cut way out, yeah. waiting for him. Um, the more this goes on, uh, the feud with him and Pogba. Because yeah. one of them have to leave. But... It, looks like to me Mourinho could be the one out but my point is it's not going to change at Manchester United okay uh, Jose is not all of a sudden gonna I mean he went to West Ham guys playing Fellaini, Matic and Pogba in the midfield right right I can I could not believe he showed West Ham that amount of respect so but already great, in the back three you know when I mean? he's got uh, no, 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 no 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 when he's got five Zamo, Zamo back five Back to five. He played with five defenders. Oh, yeah, Ashley, okay. Ashley Young and he played, Yeah, he played with five oh, defenders. So, I, 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 how long can this go on for? And to me, it's the ideal time to get rid of Mourinho. This is exactly what happened with Rafa Benitez uh, at Real Madrid. They got rid of him early. Um, there was still a lot to play for, a lot to galvanize. And, you know, Zidane, you know, is one of those managers that his reputation alone galvanizes anybody. You yeah. know, it's the great Zidane. Yeah. Why wouldn't you play for him? No, I think you know I mean? Zidane so, replaced Ancelotti. You think so? No, sorry. So, so, uh, um, Ancelotti. Ancelotti. The, the Rafa Benitez situation um, was what pre, was, uh, predicated the Ancelotti. Yes. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Uh, got things mixed up. So that was the whole thing that um, got uh, Real Madrid started and uh, kicked off, um, you know, the run of form. They 
got business done early. They got rid of something. They cut off the, the snake's head, you know, before. I don't know if they want to pay 20, 26 million pounds. That's what they need to pay to get Mourinho off the. But off what is 26 books. million pounds to Manchester United? They can find still, it under still, someone's still bed. It's the most profitable, uh, what, sporting. sporting they can find it under somebody's bed, that amount of money, right, to get rid of Mourinho. Yeah. The other thing that I want to say is that, you know, in terms of Manchester United, yeah. and I'm saying this as an Arsenal fan <laughs> and as a football fan, guys, it's over. Yeah. It's over. I think Manchester... Wait, what, what is over? I'll tell you now, right? The clout, mm-hmm. the stature, the fee, five, four, fum, here come Manchester United. I think I, it's over. They need to press the reset button. They need to find ways of getting back to, um, you know, that giant status. It's not like in La Liga where Real Madrid can go four years without winning the league, but then they can win three Champions yeah. Leagues in a row. And they're one of two big teams in that league and everything's going to be all right. They'll always be in the hunt. In England, top six, you know, is not guaranteed. It's not good enough. Right? It's not guaranteed. Yeah. And on top of that, there are smaller teams that are getting better that make it difficult for you to... There are no guaranteed results anymore. Man United-West Ham was a guaranteed win for Man United. It's no longer. It's not. It's not anymore. And, so, and guys are playing out of their skin. Exactly. Too, so that's what I'm against. saying is that I think Man United have lost that fear factor. A bit. They've lost it. It's I, gone. I, I, don't, I don't agree. I think that, you know, um, Mourinho is still capable of changing his, his ways. Whether he will, um, you know, it's it's difficult. To, it's left 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 to conjecture. However, I, I still think that you know United can can change things around. If you remember, Mourinho came in and won he won won two trophies, um, you know, just out of nothing. Um, the possibility that you know he finished second last season, which means that if he can just be a little bit less. You know, um, guarded in his in his um, his strategy, the team could 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 possibly push amongst with the other three. The one thing that I I see is the, is the possibility that United can say, okay, look, we want to get rid of Mourinho. We're getting the coach like Zidane or uh, one of the you know the coaches that that could could become available um, that maybe fit into the team. And then all of a sudden, sorry to interrupt you, right? You know. When I look at the landscape and I look at Manchester United, I'm pretty sure either Ed Woodward or the Glaziers, if they are paying attention, right? I'm pretty sure they're looking they're, at they're, the, they're, they're looking at the money. Right? I'm pretty sure they're looking at the landscape and they're saying, okay, let's look at the top six. They're looking at Pochettino and they see the, the player coach relationships. They're looking at club player coach fan relationship. Unai Emery is coming in. You can see the player-coach-fan relationship. Sorry, player-coach-fan, and so forth. City, something right? City, you can see it. Man United, non-existent. And when that is non-existent, to me, that is the beginning of the end of whoever that manager is. When you cannot touch bases with your players and there's no relationship with the fans, Manchester United is a very, very fan-driven um, um, and organization as well, because people like to see Manchester United as just a club. It's also an organization, right? So when there is no relationship on either end between the coach and players and the club, that to me is a big problem because then you start thinking about the money situation. This is what got Wenger in, pro- in troubles with um, with the. Uh, the owners at Arsenal, right, with Kroenke in them, was that it started to hurt their pockets. People weren't coming to the stadiums. People weren't buying merchandise. 
And once the owners start feeling that, in the Premier League. exactly, yeah. right? They start thinking, hang on now, right? I know it's Manchester United, but we didn't come here to lose money. Mm. So when fans start revolting and, you know, you start seeing empty seats at Old Trafford, people don't come to those. I mean, we haven't even touched on the shock exit, you know, in the Carabao Cup. When things like that start happening, it all builds up to just, you know, dissension amongst the club. And usually the first person to go is the manager. So that's why for me, when I look at it, you know, United situation, you can't get rid of Paul Pogba until January if you wanted to. Yeah. You, that's not going to happen. And I don't know how many more of these results United have under them. Because but I look at it. Going. You can just see the trajectory does not point to a positive thing. If your manager rocks up with five defenders against a team that hasn't beaten them in a decade in competitive football, then I don't know where you think your club is going. But to me, if Mourinho come December 31st is still at Manchester United, I don't know. I think it would have be it will be a miracle. A miracle. I thought he'd be fired by this weekend, but it'll be a miracle if he's still there by Well he still has to play against Valencia in the in the Champions League. Um anything has to happen. Of course you can't afford to go lose to to Derby County, lose to West Ham and then lose That's to Valencia. <laughs> That's that would be that would be, you know, how would I put it? Like uh red lights for the for the owners. Yeah. And Yes, you touched you touched on a point which I I agree with, which is about his connection with the fans. I think he's a very polarizing factor. uh, I mean, um, figure which we all know. My worry with him then is that you know I've always had held this belief over the last two seasons that his methods are catching up with him because there's far greater you know younger managers with. With better ideas coming through, and you know, you you play against Derby County, and you can't beat them. It doesn't matter who you put out. We put out there. Frank Lampard, the guy just and then, and then, the guy just hung up his boots like yesterday, yeah, and he yeah, comes ex- Exactly. It will be, be interesting to see what happens when Lampard comes up against Chelsea. Um, but um, with with Mourinho, he's just not good for Manchester United because he doesn't respect the club enough. He comes out. I mean, I was watching his latest press conference where he was. Uh, saying that some of his players don't care enough. You know, you are the manager. You're supposed to try and get 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 your players galvanized. I mean, you, you look at Klopp and his players. Some of the players, I mean, with Klopp, he didn't. Yes, he bought Allison and Van Dijk and Skater for a lot of money. But if you look at the bulk of that team, he got players that were in the team that were not firing to suddenly step up a notch. Yeah. I mean, if you look at James Milner and uh, Georgino Wijnaldum. They are playing, I mean, Vinaldo in particular is playing so well this season that you wonder if Keita is going to get a shirt. <laughs> the, the other thing, sorry, uh, I know we have to move off this topic, that I've really found weird about Mourinho. Um, over the last couple of years, he's been at Manchester United. Excuse the pun, but he throws his players under the bus yeah, yeah, right, a lot of the times on the field as well. I look at people like Rashford and Martial. He plays them when there is so much to play for. Did you hear his, his post-match conference? I, I heard of the, the, the comment. He, say, he says that, uh, I'm paraphrasing, he says, um, people are complaining about that Sanchez isn't performing, so I saw to reason, I said, okay, I listened, then I brought in Martial, and, and, and then you're like, ah, this guy. Exactly. So that's my point, is that even when, you know, um, you know, you can sort of, okay, try and get, you know, turn things around, okay? 
Mourinho still throws his players under the bus. Yeah. When I looked at that starting lineup and I looked, okay, Martial's in this game, I'm thinking, this is a huge game. Yeah. And you're throwing Martial in there who's hardly played, he's low in confidence. Undercooked. And I, I'm not sure that's good for a player when your manager puts you out there, yeah. out to dry. He's putting you in there because the man that was signed to start there isn't playing well. So it's almost like an ultimatum yeah. for Martial sure. in a way. And I think that's why he's not getting the best out of his plays. Mm. Because now Jesse Lingard hasn't played. Uh, he didn't even travel. He didn't even travel. I don't know how long Jesse Lingard hasn't played. And now you'll probably find your... Um, thrust him into the game against Valencia when the guy hasn't played and there's a lot to play for and that sort of pressure professional or not professional that eats anybody it does. and as you can see with the United's players they're not responding to that pressure hmm. right it's pressure enough playing for Manchester United it's pressure enough playing for Jose Mourinho now added to that when Jose throws you that in games where you need a result and you're low in confidence that's not going to bode well for any team Speaking of, so we're going to move off Manchester United before we go into a break. Dola, Arsenal, seven wins in a row. But the big yes. talking point here is, no, here. Aaron Ramsey, they're not willing, they're not, they, they pulled the, the contract off the table. Uh, to be completely honest with you, I, I know somebody close to the situation about what's happening in there, okay? Ozil's wages are a problem. Bad book balancing. Right. It's as simple as that. Okay. Mr. Ozil's wages are a problem. They were a problem to me as an Arsenal fan yeah. because, you know, um, when you pay somebody that amount of money, you know, can that person be, you know, the goal scorer of the team as opposed to somebody that is, yes, you know, a, supposed to be a, an orchestrator. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I need the goal scorer earning that amount. And I think that the offer that was given to Ramsey, you know, I, I don't blame the guy. He's been there longer than... Um, you know, I think he's the longest tenured player in our starting lineup. I think so. Right now, yeah. right? He he's, is. He is. From the juniors, right? yeah. He is. Okay. And I think he's sitting there and he's thinking, guys, I've been here for 10 years. Remember, Ramsey also turned down some offers a few years ago. And this is what you can do for me. You can't even put me on, Ur on um, uh, Mesut Ozil's level in terms of wages. And for him, as a young man, 10 years at Arsenal, three FA Cups, hasn't won a league title. What more could he give the club? You know, so I, I, it's with a heavy heart, but I think, you know, for him as well, on a personal standpoint, it's good for him to go. Um, there's nothing more he can offer Arsenal at this point. And to be fair, to be fair, Una Emery at least has been playing him. You yeah. know, I know usually in these situations, that uh, whenever there's a contract dispute with a player, you know, you don't see the player playing for some weeks. So there's still value to be had in that guy. Maybe by playing him, they can convince him, hey, look, we're still playing you. You know, you can stay. But Let's talk it out. to me, I think, you know, um, Rams has given Arsenal all, he's could, all he can in the last um, 10 years and... What more can we get from him? For a little break, there's a murmur that uh, Liverpool might be interested in him. Well, I mean, it's, it's possible. <laughs> They've already taken Oxlade, now they want Ramsey. Look, um, the good thing about about Liverpool is that, um, we, like I said earlier, you know, with, with players who are struggling, there seems to be some kind of magic with Klopp yeah. and how he, he gets them to play. And if you look at, if you look at Ox, most people wrote off Ox. And then he came into Liverpool... First game he played, there was a massive defeat, and the question at the end was, you know, is he going to be on the bench? Until he got injured, he be he's, he's became doing, like the job, yeah. I mean, like a semi-final yeah, against uh, Man against Man City. Wow, he was unbelievable. And Where's that all speed at Arsenal? <laughs> yes, exactly. So sometimes um, you, you look at players; they probably need to to move on to 
um, to find themselves. And I think uh, Ramsey, you know, apart from injuries, he's also been part of the the problem of Arsenal because he's he's there even when he hits his best. Yeah. The people around him don't don't rise up to that to that level. So maybe he needs uh, one 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 more big move to to a big club to go and try and do something because if you look at uh, Jack Wilshere. Wilshere, for me, one of the gift, most gifted players in the league, um, eventually made this wrong turn where he went on loan to, to I think it was Burnley, and then now he went to West Ham. Sorry, Burnley, he, he went to West Ham. You know, you need to, like Ox, you need to take a chance and go to go to a big club. Fight, then you are inspired because you're playing around play, players with Mokoda. And I think that for Ramsey, a move to Liverpool would be would be a great move for him because he he might not play every game but you know he can actually play himself into into contention and it'll be sad for Arsenal to to let him go because he epitomizes everything that that the old Arsenal uh, yeah. represents but you know with with Unai Emery um, we've group. seen a, a renaissance because what this Arsenal team is a team that with players that need to work hard um, you need to to win back the possession. Um, but you know, if you look at Ox at Liverpool, he had to learn how to how to how to do that. So maybe if I was him, I would stay back at Arsenal and you know try and and uh, be part of what is happening now because the team is doing well. Only SuperSport can put you in a front row seat to the best football leagues this season. Catch every Premier League, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Nations League, AMSA Premiership and La Liga match live. And now it's the only place to watch every minute of the Serie A on SuperSport 9. Get your front row seat and watch all the football that matters only on SuperSport. And we're back, gents, before we touch a little bit on Champions League, in La Liga, over, the, over this past weekend, a draw in the, Madrid, in the Madrid derby. Disappointment, wasn't really fireworks, and then the, the, almost like the, the, the insult at, at the end of it all, Real Madrid fans chanting in the stands, Ronaldo, Ronaldo. <laughs> you know, it was one of those games, I mean, um, there was a lot to play for for Real Madrid in terms of a revenge factor. Yeah. Remember, they lost the UEFA Super Cup to Atletico, and it's a Madrid derby, so, you know, Bragging rights, of course. And I must be honest with you, it was a boring game. You know, so much attacking uh, talent on either side and Madrid derby. You know, Madrid's got a new coach, new setup, new style, but they played stale football. And that's the worst, actually, I've seen Real play this entire season. Even in the loss that they had, they played better than this. And, you know, it just didn't live up to the billing for me. You know, it was one of those games where I actually didn't even finish the match. You know, sure. I, I left, I think, 10, 12 minutes to go. I'm like, you know, I, I, I tried and I don't see a goal coming. And I think both teams in the end were happy to just stay with the point. I thought they would have capitalized because Barcelona did lose. I saw they did draw yeah. earlier in the day. So I thought maybe this was a good chance for them to also just, um, for Atletico to catch up and for Real Madrid to extend their lead. And, it seems like Real Corner seem to overtake Barca. Barca <laughs> lose, they lose. If Barca draw, they draw. So, you know. For, for, for me, I think that at, at the end of the day, you know, Real Madrid needs to go out there and get um, and another big, big player, a big attacking player. Because Ronaldo, you know, for those games, especially the games against Barcelona and the games against Atletico Madrid, there was always that extra edge where 
you know, there are times when you need to dig something out of the, the hole and, you know, he used to produce um, some moments, either moments where he gets sent off or, or he creates a moment where there's a magic, either he scores or he gets some late penalty or something. Uh, there was just something and I wasn't surprised that the fans were chanting his name because, um, you know, my big disappointment is I saw the first Super Cup game where Atletico really, really blew them out eventually. And for some reason, I, I think, you know, they would have looked at Real Madrid and think, oh, without Ronaldo, they're not good. And then suddenly they see Real Madrid are so much competitive the entire yeah. season. And then, you know, in this particular game, Real Madrid had lost the previous week uh, at Sevilla. And so going into this game, maybe Atletico were a bit uh, kind of complacent and they, 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 they underestimated them. And they got, they got, you know, a more, much more cagey Madrid team that didn't want to give away anything. Um, in the end, both teams couldn't take advantage of Barcelona's sleep and then, you know, it makes La Liga look, um, quite difficult to, yeah. to, uh, to appreciate at this point in time because you see even with Messi, that's without, without Ronaldo, he seems to be missing, <laughs> something. missing something, yeah. yeah. He's, he's missing that thing. Maybe not to. I wanted to do this at the end of the at the end of the show. It was like a bit of a news thing, but news coming out of the news: Cristiano Ronaldo and a charge of potential rape against him, or some or, or a lady in, in Las Vegas claiming that he raped he raped her in two thousand and nine. That's a touchy touchy subject, especially when you consider all the stuff that's going on with the Me Too Me Too uh, campaign and all of that. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, for me, it's, I hope, it's like... It's, I, I hope it's not it, true. Yeah. I, I hope it's not true. I, I mean, I saw um, um, something Ronaldo posted on social media yesterday where yeah. he was saying, you know, uh, people try and do stuff around my name. I hope it's not true because um, the, the one thing that, you know, is difficult these days to uh, comprehend is when you have these accusations, you've got to listen to it because, because you know, it's difficult, especially for, for women sometimes yeah. to actually come out and say mm, this happened or, or that didn't happen and sometimes also these things happen and they try you know the agents and managers try and play it under the carpet but um we we've seen a rise in these um campaigns and you know with the meeting movement with all that we've seen in the political scene in america also with um which you know pop culture which which with hollywood we've yeah. seen so many people go down and you know if this comes up with Ronaldo and it's not well managed. It could spill into other players as well. Uh, because what's going to happen is people are going to say, yeah, and you look at this, this whole campaign over the U.S. Supreme Court judge governor. And that's, this came on the back of that. Yeah. And you have accusations. We could go back 5, 10, 15, 20 years um, with players, maybe another 10, 15 years. So people have to be very careful. Um, what what they do, especially with players, they have to be very careful um, what they do with their social life because sometimes if it's not drugs, it's you know we've seen players being charged with with rape uh, several times. Some of them never recovered from it. And Ronaldo is one of the biggest players, if not the, the biggest star in the world today. So it is a very very it's a serious uh, thing. It's very it's a very sloppy, and very sensitive, uh, sensitive uh, moment that. Um, it's difficult, you know, for me to even go go too deep into uh, yeah. trying to analyze it. But yeah. I, I hope for for all intended purposes, there's something that can be be sorted out. And I mean, it's not uh, for me when I look at it this way is that you know, um, in the world that we live in today, 
um, well, I can even go back further, right? Mike Tyson, right, went mm. to prison mm. because of this, mm. right? Mike Tyson has broken people's jaw in public. He's uh, broken so many, you know, laws walking down the street. Yeah. But that did not take him to prison. So it was rape. Whenever you're accused of that, you need to stop whatever you're doing and, and, and deal with it. This situation yeah. has to be addressed with. So I know there's some people that have this belief that, oh no, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. No, Mike Tyson went to prison for this. Kobe Bryant, right, nearly lost his career mm. because of this. Yeah. So in Ronaldo's case, you know, I, I, I hope, you know, um, for the sake of the women out there, it doesn't get shoved under the, you know, it doesn't get swept under the carpet mm-hmm. and, you know, they deal with it uh, in a transparent way. And uh, I think, you know, players also need to learn from each other's mistakes or transgressions that have happened over the years. And I certainly hope in Ronaldo's case, um, you know, that wasn't um, the case. Um, But at the same time, you know, you cannot dismiss an accusation like that. It has to be dealt with um, by the law, first of all. Absolutely. I know on social media, everybody thinks they're lawyers now. They know how to, you know, what's going to happen. But... You know, we also have to think for the poor woman who, you know, um, has laid out this accusation because, you know, in many cases, something like this, you know, the often the victims, mm. you know, they just get swept under the, yeah. the rug and it's all about, you know, the, the, the man who's been accused here. So in Ronaldo's case, I, I think he needs to deal with it, you know, because I know in Spain, he didn't deal the tax situation quite yeah. well. Um, I know. Yeah, you had, you had, you had Maradona, Maradona and his tax thing followed him even past yeah. his, past yeah. playing his career. Drugs so, thing still, still yeah. Yeah. exactly. Today. So you know, you know? It, it could be, it could be any of those things. But you know, we've seen in recent times there's a rise in these um, campaigns, and you know, it, it just cannot be swept under the carpet. And the bigger they are in this situation, the harder they fall, yeah. unfortunately. So I just hope um, he deals with it and it's a transparent situation. And, you know, uh, it's not one of those things where, you know, as much as I'm a sports fan, but, you know, let's be real here. You, you also don't want one of these things where, oh, it's a guy with money paid his way out. Yeah. And, you know, we never heard the end of the story. Yeah. I think it's very important that we, we find out the facts, yeah, absolutely. right? The absolutely. facts, what happened and whether or not, you know, he is guilty or not guilty. Sure. Touching on before we close out, some Champions League action happening this week. Obviously, we'll be able to know the scores by the time it, by by the time this this podcast comes out. Big matches: Liverpool versus Napoli, Tottenham versus Barcelona. Who of those four teams need a win? To be completely honest with you, um, this is going to sound strange, but Barcelona need the win more than any of those teams because um, it's not just for the Champions League it's yeah. just for the sake of their season because if you remember Messi uh, went on at the beginning of the season on the parade that you know we 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 let our fans down over the years the yeah. Champions League is our one of our main priorities we've got a good squad and they've played nowhere near like uh, it's the champ- team with Coutinho exactly they've played nowhere near like Champions League contenders in the league this season I know they did well in their first game of the season but you know that was against PSV but um I, I think Barcelona, if they really want to make the, um, the intentions clear in the Champions League, this is the game for them. Tottenham, to be honest with you, um, their group was difficult. You know, they had a really good chance against Inter. Yeah. They blew it. Um, 
you know yeah, they, can, they, can't, they can't afford to lose this game no, no. to be honest they can't afford to lose it but I still think it's bigger for Barcelona in the context of what they set out this season Absolutely. you know the Barcelona losing to Leganes they've also sp- splashed the cash this yeah. season you know so uh, Liverpool I think you know um, Liverpool Napoli that's going to be an interesting game because both teams sort of have similar type of players I mean you've got Koulibaly you've got Van Dijk you've got Mertens you've got San, um, Salah you've got uh, Calais on that side you've got um, Insignia Firmino and um, you've got uh, Allen, so, the guy uh, Allen, you know, and, you know, oh, they're good. They're, Napoli are a good team, so and they've got they've, they've got, got a, a good they've got Ancelotti. So. Ancelotti is the coach. And Ancelotti, there. I, I think uh, that could be an easy one-one or two-two draw. Hmm. Sure, guys. Great uh, episode eight. We're looking forward to some uh, good matches. The Soweto derby is what a couple of weeks down the road. No, but uh, some three weeks uh, coming. And then so. we've got. Like, I think the Soweto Derby, after the Soweto Derby, the very next day is El Clasico. Yeah, Absolutely. So. I mean, look, uh, for some reason, there's always um, those two derbies together on, on a weekend, which makes for great, it does. great, uh, you know, spending time in front of TV or Supersport. So um, it'll be simply amazing to to um, to see where uh, Chiefs and Paris are by the time the derby comes yeah. comes into into play. It'll be it'll be nice to see the still boots up there. Uh, when that comes in, then we, we might see a much more competitive game than we've seen in, in recent times. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I'd, I'd love to be to be at the, at the game. Well, uh, you go to the derby. Yes, yes. I mean, look, it's our derby. Well, what else right. do we have? <laughs> this is our game. This is uh, the biggest derby of the year. I'm sorry, uh, El Clasico, but uh, this is it. You know, so. And you know you've got uh, pirates on form, you know, and um, this and is Chiefs as well. Chiefs she's as also well. on form, yeah. you know. She's on form. Um, uh, I think you know it's about time that we have a derby at this stage of the season where both teams are on form and they still. We've seen them. They've, they've struggled over the last few few years. So most times the derbies don't don't mean so much, mm. you know. But this one will have. I will mean, count. Lo- last year's one was also fantastic because yeah. it was at a stage of the season where it meant a lot. Pirates needed to maintain. You yeah. know, a certain uh, point, um, you know, they didn't want to let Sundowns get away too far. And they had beaten Sundowns some weeks yeah. prior to yeah. that. So, you know, there was a good build-up to the derby of last year. So, I can't wait for that in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. Well, uh, that's how we close it out, um, Zamoloy. Filling in for Loazi. Loazi, come back to your seat, guy. Well, that's if Man United wins. So oh, they, of course, yeah. They've got we'll their money. We'll have to see about that. <laughs> well, Man City will, will come visiting when Liverpool... Step out this weekend, so uh, as usual, I will beat them. So I'm not oh, worried. Big goals. Wasn't this guy predicting big three goals. nil wins there yeah. at Stamford Bridge? <laughs> well, if there's one team that will beat Man City is Liverpool, so I'm not bothered. Ah, oh well, uh, well, uh, either you're his friend or his enemy. When the next yeah, time we'll he sees see. you, uh, this is episode eight of Pitch Invasion signing out. Mm-hmm.